2020 is upon us. What better way to celebrate than having a series of episodes where we do our top tens of the tens, kicking off with our top ten favorite movies, episode 70 of the podcast. Cue the music. Welcome, everyone, to the Entertainment Buffet Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Prosek. And I'm your other host, Jessica Quaz. Oh, my gosh, Jess. The, the, the 2020, it's, it's, it's happening. It is happening. The decade is ending, and we are entering a new era. Yikes. Time. <laughs> yep. I am, I am closing in on my 10-year high school reunion, uh, uh, it's 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 happening. We're we're, we're getting older. Oh God! You just made Lots me realize I am too. <laughs> Lots of shits happening uh, over the last decade, uh, but uh, we're not going to dwell on the negativity of getting older. We're going to talk about uh, the awesome times, and you know, like we said in the cold open, uh, I'm excited. Uh, just this was your great idea to do a series of episodes. Where we're gonna do our top tens of the tens and some various entertainment topics. Yeah, I mean, we gotta celebrate the decade ending. That's a big deal. Um, and there's been a lot of really good content this decade. So to celebrate it, and like you said, to be positive about the last 10 years, we're gonna do a new series, Top 10 of the Tens. And our first one is our top 10 favorite movies of this past decade. Yes. So if anyone's curious, obviously these are movies that were released between 2010 and uh, 2019. Now, at the time we are recording, technically there's still about a month left, less than a month of 2019. So there are some movies that haven't come out yet. But uh, these would have to be something to really blow us out of the water to make a top ten list. So uh, we figured let's just go ahead and get started. We're obviously could always talk about those movies later. Uh, I mean, Jess, did you really think there'd be any movies that would come out by the end of the year that would breach this uh, list? I have not seen The Irishman yet, but I don't think it would make my top ten of the decade. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen The Irishman yet. Obviously, I haven't seen the final Star Wars there's some I haven't seen Knives Out by Ryan Johnson, so like there's there's some possibilities, but honestly, you know, this is uh, we could always bring those up in a future episode when we talk about some of our favorites of the year or the last few years. But uh, yeah, Jess, uh, before we jump in, uh, is there anything in particular you wanted to bring up uh, lately you've been watching? Well, it's funny that you mentioned Knives Out because I actually did see Knives Out and it's incredible. Oh. I loved it. Um, spoiler alert, it did not make my top 10 of the decade. It almost did, but it was really, really hard to make this list. And it was on there and then it got cut. But Knives Out is incredible. It's just. Oh, it got cut? It uh, did get cut. It was like, it was uh, really hard. It got shanked out, knived out. It got knived out. <laughs> um, it was really hard, though, because, like, God, there's just so many good movies of the decade. You were and that so was annoyed with there. that bit. <laughs> it got knived out. Sorry. Move on. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh. I thought that was a good one. I just steamrolled it, but I did think it was a good one. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, keep going. <laughs> uh, knives out. It's great. Got knived out in my top ten, but it's still great. And uh, that's pretty much it in the way of movies. Um, and, of course, I've been watching The Mandalorian, the new Star Wars TV show. Uh, it's okay. unbelievable. Baby Yoda is my savior and the reason I live. And it's really, <laughs> uh, uh, really good. <laughs> that has been all over my news feed is Baby Yoda. I... I have not watched any of The Mandalorian. I do not have Disney Plus yet. Um, I think what I am going to do is wait until The Mandalorian and some more stuff are on Disney Plus. 
uh, and then like maybe get like a trial for a little bit so I can binge the Mandalorian and some other stuff. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I've been hearing some great things. It's uh, like the trailers looked awesome for that show. Yeah, I really am engaged with it a lot more than I expected to. Um, it just is a really interesting corner of the Star Wars universe they're exploring. And I don't know, I feel like for a canon that's already been like so set in its foundation, it's really hard to bring in new characters that we could like engage with and care about, but they really have. Um, I really, really am enjoying it, and I think it's honestly one of the best things Star Wars has done. Um, yeah, I love it. I think it's really great. And, of course, Baby Yoda's adorable. But that aside, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I haven't seen Knives Out. Uh, I want to. And I had a feeling uh, if there's any movie from this year that I think could have edged it out, it could have been that. Um so yeah, I plan to see that soon. Also, Jojo Rabbit, I want to see soon. But one thing, Jess, that finally happened, I finally finished my complete first full viewing of The Sopranos. Wow. That's a journey. It's yes. a long journey you came on. <laughs> yep, it took a while, um, but I finally finished the final season. I uh, got to see the controversial... Uh, controversial ending. Um, I understand why it upset people, but also I'm kind of glad uh, it's been years removed, so it's like, well, no reason to really be upset with it now. Because um, one thing, that's one thing about endings. I feel like people often fixate on them. I know I am, and there's been some movies or shows that have ruined it for me, but... Uh, this is something that's like the show is always considered one of the top shows of all time for a reason. So I don't think an ending should really spoil the fact that they had some great acting, great storytelling, great character work, um, shocking moments. There was a lot of deaths at the end of this, like the last handful of episodes that like some of them I saw coming. Some of them had no idea were coming. It was very surprising. Uh, yeah, so Sopranos. Uh finally finished it and yeah, it's uh it's crazy. <laughs> I It is. Uh I see why. Yeah, I see why um it's always held to such a claim. Uh it may not be one of my favorites of all time, uh but I respect it and I could see going back and watching certain scenes and certain episodes again, especially with James Gandolfini's performance. Talk about someone who's, like, yanked from us, like, way too soon. Because he died, like, really pretty young. Like, he was in his, like, mid-40s. And I feel like he was just really starting to do things after Sopranos. And then he just... Oh, God, that one still gets to me. Like, I... That one hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really too bad. Uh, so, yeah, Sopranos I finished. Uh, haven't really seen uh any movies new movies in the theaters but one movie i did get to see in theaters uh it's one of my like top 10 of all time i got to see the matrix on the big screen uh they were playing it at music box theater in chicago and uh yeah that was incredible uh there's a lot of theaters that are doing this now that they're playing classic films uh it became the matrix's 20th anniversary so they showed it on film in uh the music box uh, here in chicago which just turned 90 this year and uh yeah it's uh it's crazy uh how a movie i've seen numerous times seeing it on a big screen is so much different even if you have a good tv and a good sound system there's just nothing like seeing it in a theater on a big screen um so yeah i uh that was quite an experience i'm gonna try to go see more classic films in the theaters uh especially with music box uh nearby uh i'm plugging a lot it's almost like i recently became partners with them for one of my shows Uh, um (laughs) but but no it's 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 a chicago staple and i loved being able to go support that theater showing classic movies because sure i love seeing new movies but like the matrix came out in 99 i was seven 
So I wouldn't have been able to see like a rated R movie like that uh, in theaters that young. So uh, and some movies that came out before I was alive. So it was an exciting opportunity. Definitely recommend um, if you have theaters near you that show classic films you haven't seen in theaters. Yes, I, I agree with you on that. Do we? Uh, do you have any, maybe a few or one or any honorable mentions you want to bring up? Sure, yeah, I have a lot. I mean, there were a lot of movies in a decade. Who knew? Um, but for right now... <laughs> So weird. <laughs> what? Um, right now, my honorable mentions are Arrival, The Florida Project, Annihilation, The Master, Spotlight, Rogue One, and Knives Out. Um, I'm sure some more will pop in my head as the list goes because that tends to happen. Um, yeah, those were ones that were very close to making the list or were on the list at some point. Um, but yeah, those are mine. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah, uh, some that didn't quite make the list uh, were uh, Gone Girl, um, Creed, Obvious Child, uh, and some other ones I just thought of. Like, there was a ton of superhero movies that I wanted to put on there, um, but some non-superhero ones. uh, Edge of Tomorrow, and then uh, Disaster Artist. Was Edge of Tomorrow the Tom Cruise movie, or was it the George Clooney movie about the Disneyland area? That was Tomorrowland. Got it. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow's with Tom Cruise, where it was kind of like a Groundhog's Day, but meets an action movie. And, like, a lot of people didn't see it because it wasn't advertised well because of, like, a generic name, like Edge of Tomorrow. Um, so then they tried to rebrand it as Live, Di- Live Die, Repeat. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's and right. Then, <laughs> and then that confused people, so now the box says... Live, die, repeat, edge of tomorrow. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So most people are like, what the hell is that? Um, Yes. So anyway, those were some honorable mentions. There's, as you said, a lot of movies in a decade. Uh, Couldn't think of them all, but uh, I'm sure uh, as as we release this this list, we will... Uh, think of other ones, or maybe we'll see more movies that came out in the last decade and want to edit it someday. But uh, as of now, in December 2019, these are our top ten lists of the tens. Yes. It's very hard for me to come up with these top ten, because there's, like we said, a lot of movies we've seen. Yes. And also, uh, one thing we like obviously discuss, because like, obviously there's nine years to pick from, is uh, it's... It was hard to not... Like, sure, you could just pick what was your favorite movie every year, but, like, maybe as years went on, those movies didn't exactly hold up to you, or maybe other ones that you saw and you didn't originally see uh, stood out. Some you kept watching and loving more. Um, And one thing I will say, uh, one rule that we kind of made on this list is we removed any movies that were in our personal top ten lists of all time, Uh, If you want to go listen to that episode, we did our uh, top 10 movies of all time. Um, So if there was any movies that came out between 2010 and 2019 on that list, we did not put it on this list. We wanted uh, 10 fresh movies, um, just so if anyone's listening, it's like, wait, isn't just one of Jess's favorite movies, Get Out, or isn't Brandon's favorite movie, The Big Sick? So, like, yeah, we removed movies like that from the list just because, like, duh, of course... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, for me, I had to take out Get Out and Zero Dark Thirty, which definitely would have been on my top ten. But because we already did those for our all-time favorites, it was kind of a given that we loved them in this decade. So, yeah, like Brandon said, it's just, like, time for ten fresh new movies. Um, and when I was making this list, I was very subjective to what I like. I mean, some of these movies, I don't know, you could argue are better than others. One shouldn't be as high as the other. But for me, a lot of it was... Did I watch this movie multiple times? Did I pay for it more than once to see in theaters? Is it something that sticks with me and I still think about? Is it something that taught me something? Um, Just more of like a guttural feeling it gave me. Um, Of course, we were like looking at these like with critical eyes, but a lot of it is too just like movies that impacted us within the last 10 years. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, I had to remove The Big Sick, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I had to remove Steve Jobs. I removed Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Um, but like you said, there are some movies that... It, they may not even even been our favorite movie of that time, but then we kept watching it, and then it impacted us. And there was a reason why, especially some of them that came out maybe 2010 to 2012 range, that why they've st- stuck around this long. I mean, uh, obviously we're like kind of aging ourselves, but 2010, like we were like 18, like we were just becoming adults, and now we're pushing 30. So it's it's a Big. How dare you talk to me that way? <laughs> How dare you talk about me like that? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll age gracefully. <laughs> Jess, you literally look the same as when we met in 2012. <laughs> Great, thank you. That, now, now you're good. Now you're in my good graces again. <laughs> Seriously, like I could pull up pictures from videos she was in in 2012 and 2013 and be like, when they shoot that? Yesterday? Um... <laughs> I still get carded at every bar I ever go to, so yeah, I guess I'm okay. <laughs> I totally see that. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah. Um, a lot of stuff has happened these last 10 years, uh, and so these are movies that really stuck with us over the time. Uh, uh, as we're looking at the list, I see there's lots of genres, lots of different directors, lots of uh, types of movies, so I'm excited. Jess, do you want to kick us off with your number 10 of the 10s? Yes. My number 10 of the 10s is a movie from last year, which we all probably at least know of, and that is A Star is Born. Um, I wow. I just Yeah. I'm kicking us <laughs> off with like a real kind of a bummer of a movie, very dramatic, very somber. A bummer of a movie. <laughs> Have you seen it? No, I still haven't seen it yet. Okay, then I won't say anything else about that. But, yeah, I'm not kicking us off with, like, the brightest, most cheerful movie ever made. That's for sure. Um, But I loved this movie so much. I actually did see it more than once in theaters, which is literally insane. Because if you've seen it, you know that's just torturing yourself. But I did it. Um... Both times, this is really dramatic, and I but I'm I can't lie. Both times I saw the movie, I could not stop thinking about it that night. I went to bed thinking about it, and I woke up thinking about it because it emotionally impacted me very strongly. I had a real like visceral reaction to it. Um, but it's just a beautiful movie. Um, and in, I don't judge me too harshly, but I <laughs> really like a good musical movie. Like, I love it. I get so, like, geeky about, like, choreography and, like, jazz hands and, like, shit like that. I love it. And I feel like this decade we haven't really had a really, like, amazing musical movie. Like, there was, like, Miz and there was La La Land, but, like, nah, not for me. Um, I don't know. I feel like this was the best musical movie of the decade. The way it was shot was also really incredible and, like, really resonated with me because they would be in these massive, like, concert scenes performing and they would be using close-ups on Bradley Cooper and Gaga and just be right right in it with them. So it just felt like their performing together was very intimate with, like, who they are and not, like, what they're doing, which was really interesting. Um, And the soundtrack is just incredible. Like... I think it's probably the best soundtrack of the decade, at least best original soundtrack of the decade. And I think like the only one that's up there with it is the Black Panther soundtrack. But like to me, that's what I really love about it was having both art forms of music and movies in one. And it was just this beautiful film. I I loved it. And it still is like something when I think about it, I get very like emotional. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I mean, when we started these lists, I, I remember that being one of your favorites uh, last year, but I didn't think of all the movies that that would broach your top ten of the tens. So, wow, that really that really hit you. It really did, and I actually, when I was first thinking of just movies in general, like I didn't think it would be on there too, but the more I thought about the list, the more I realized like that impacted me than most other movies. Um yeah, I just really, I really like it. It's just such a great movie. Um, so yeah, that's my number 10 of the decade. A Star is Born with Lady Gaga. 
Gaga. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, we'll have to keep track of these uh, that we need to see. Um, so my number 10 came out in 2013. Uh, it was the movie Prisoners. Did you hear about this movie oh, or see this, this movie, Oh, this is a Jess? really... Yes. I saw it. It almost made my list, too. It is an incredible choice. This movie, I've only seen it twice fully through, and it's haunted me both times, and it's not that I don't watch it because I don't want to watch it. I just haven't watched it because... It's a movie you need to sit and watch from start to finish. It's not a movie you throw on and watch some scenes. Um, it's not a movie you just have on in the background. It is uh, directed by Denise Villeneuve. Uh, it stars Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Viola Davis, uh, Paul Dano, uh, Melissa Leo. It's got a all-star cast. Uh, Denise Villeneuve, if you don't know, he directed... Uh, Sicario and Arrival and Blade Runner 2049 uh, which I still haven't seen but uh, I loved Arrival, loved that and uh, I remember um, the whole reason I saw those movies as those came out now was how much I loved Prisoners Um, I saw this in theaters and we've talked about horror movies I often am not a huge fan of some horror movies until like lately they've started been actually making them with quality um usually because I just know that their purpose is to try to scare me prisoners scared me in a way because it is so really dumb it's it's about these two children that are taken in like that first 24 to like 72 hours uh, for Jake Gyllenhaal's character to try to find them. And it's so real that like, it's like almost scared me from not wanting kids just because how freaky it is, uh, how easy it is for kids to be taken. And it's not a movie that shows you the people taken it's from the perspective of the parents and the detective. So like, you don't know what happens to the kids until you see them. Um, so like by showing that point of view, I, I know some other detective movies or shows do that. It was so haunting and so scary edge of my seat. The cinematography is gorgeous. I believe it's Roger Deakins who does it. This was a movie. I was livid why it was not nominated for like anything that year, whether uh, it was for like cinematography and like maybe a couple like smaller things, but like not for acting, not for directing, not for picture. Like I was, I, I had no idea why, cause it had all the things that you would think that they would want when they nominate movies. So, uh, but this is a movie that even though I only saw it once in theaters and once on DVD, it has stuck with me for that long, uh, for the past uh, six, seven years. And I highly recommend, if you haven't seen it, to see it. Um, it's a little bit longer movie. I think it's like two and a half hours, maybe. I don't know if it's pushing three, maybe. It's it's a little longer, but it's so good. I completely agree with you. I think it's such a fantastic movie, and I think it's such an injustice that like none of them were nominated for any acting categories because those performances are some of the best of the whole decade. Like Paul Dano, oh my god! Like his, it's haunting, and it's definitely a movie. Like I'll just randomly think about like the performances in that and be like, oh god, what a movie! It's just. It's, oh God, it's a really, really good one. And I do feel like it was kind of underserved and more people should have seen it and it didn't get the respect it definitely deserved. Yeah, no, because pretty much everyone I know who's seen it is like, holy shit. It's really only that people haven't seen it is why it's not known more. And it's such a shame because this is a movie that people deserve to see so if you have any interest go on Amazon or whatever streaming service you have uh, rent by prisoners came out in 2013 so so good but uh, Jess what is your number nine of the tens 
My number nine could not be more different than both of ours number ten. My <laughs> number nine choice is pop star never stop never stopping which is like so opposite of both of those movies it's insane oh it's not like Hugh Jackman uh, beating I the living shit out of Paul movie. Dano <laughs> oh my gosh have you seen this movie yet oh I have yeah I saw it once and okay yeah it's a ride. It's hilarious. So it came out in 2016, and it's done by the Lonely Island guys, which includes, of course, Andy Samberg, and it is hilarious. I watch it, and I die from beginning to end. I am losing my mind. I think it's so, so funny. To me, it's the funniest movie of the decade, in my opinion. It's the one that made me laugh the hardest. And it's still something like I'll go back to and every time, every scene, I'm just dying. Um, I don't know. I like there were a lot of like hybrid like comedy drama movies in this past decade. But this is like my favorite, just straight, pure comedy. And I think it's gold. Um, I think what makes it great are some of the cameos in it. Like, this cast is insane. But basically, if you haven't seen it, um, the three Lonely Island guys are kind of like a former boy band that's kind of like a ripoff of, like, NSYNC meets, like, Beastie Boys, kind of. And it's just this, like, music mockumentary about, like, their journey. And it's just hilarious. And what's great is they have, like, really big cameos from, like, Joan Cusack and, like, Tim Meadows. Um, um, Bill Hader, he's, like, their weird roadie. is hilarious. And then they also have, like, all these amazing cameos from, like, huge music people. So, like, Nas and Carrie Underwood and Simon Cowell. Adam Levine plays a holograph of himself. Like, Pink's in it. Like, this... the. <laughs> IMDb page is insane. It's like every person you could ever think of is in it. Like Seal plays himself, Pharrell's in it. And they're all like just hilarious because they're either playing themselves or like very dramatized versions of themselves in this really weird like pop star universe. And just the title alone is really amazing. Never stop, never stopping. <laughs> like just saying <laughs> it out loud makes me giggle. Um, so my number nine is the, a very weird comedy, but it's probably my favorite comedy of the decade. And that's pop star. Never stop, never stopping. <laughs> Fair enough. That, uh, yeah. Could not be more different than our tens <laughs> and could not be more different than uh, what's going to be my number nine. But yeah, pop star, that was a movie I kept just hearing about over and over about how funny it was. And then when I finally saw it, it did not disappoint. I, I, I bought it. Um, and yeah, I am excited to watch it again. You're making me want to watch it again just to see all the moments I probably don't remember from my first viewing. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, it, it it's funny how comedies over the last decade, I think, are something that's like suffered in some way. Um, so to think of that movie, I would agree that if, if we did a top 10 comedy movies, like that would easily be on... Obviously, you're number one, probably, and would easily be on my top ten, too. Yeah, I think, I don't know, just no movie made me laugh harder that I really can think of from the last ten years. Of course, there's movies I, like, I chuckled to or, like, would look at and be like, oh, that's funny. But, like, laugh out loud, like, dying, this was the only one that really did it for me. Okay. So, my number nine... Um, I can't remember if you've seen this movie, uh, or if you have, I have a feeling you're not a huge fan of it. I feel like uh, this movie, I, I don't know, I feel like this movie, I've seen something that other people don't see, uh, or I'm just biased because of the subject matter, but my number nine favorite movie uh, came out in 2012. It is Looper. So I have seen it. And I remember liking it at the time, but for me, I don't remember a ton about it, except for the ending, and that's kind of it. Okay. And I think I might be misremembering some of that wrong, so I don't have any strong feelings towards Looper, sorry. Okay, good. So it's not like when you just hate on Seinfeld. Uh... No. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. No. Um, yeah, Looper was written and directed by Ryan Johnson, uh, this is the movie he did before Last Jedi. Um, he 
Yeah, and this is kind of before. Uh, I think this is around the time he was. He had done some Breaking Bad episodes, but he hadn't really had much of a filmography yet. Um, this movie, I remember seeing. Uh, it stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's a younger version of Bruce Willis. It's about time travel, and it has Jeff Daniels in it, and uh, also a little bit of Paul Dano. Uh, this movie, I think, takes the time travel trope and does like a a nice crime spin on it uh it's also a movie that like very easily could have just lended into like a a terrible action movie but it was more than that it challenged it to be more dramatic and more of a character piece uh about showing this character like two different points in the in their lives and i just think that it was so well done there's just little world building things that every time I watch it, I find little things, little details, little parts that make me appreciate the filmmaking uh, portion of it. Uh, it has so many things I like, which is, uh, has some parts with great dialogue. It has great acting. There's actually some scenes with Bruce Willis that he puts on an incredible performance that I think kind of gets forgotten because of the plot device it's in. I think they handled the Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Bruce Willis thing, like with the makeup and like his voice, um, like the best you could do without trying to do with like what they did this last year with Gemini Man, where they just tried to CGI a young Will Smith with an older Will Smith. Like I'm glad they went the route. Like no, just get a young actor, make him look like the older actor. Like I I I think it worked. Um, I think this movie doesn't necessarily get hate, but it just is forgotten. And uh, it's the movie I think people should revisit. Because the first time I saw it, I enjoyed it. But further viewings is when I kept appreciating more and more about it. I'll have to like give it a, another look-see. Because I do remember thinking like I did like it when I first watched it. And then I just kind of forgot about it. But again, that could be just because it was a few years ago. And a lot of movies have come out since. And that might ne- not necessarily be the movie's fault. But on that note... Whatever happened to Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Like, where is he? Where is he? (laughs) He was, was like, such a thing. He was, like, the early aughts, like, it was his time. Like, the first five years of the decade, like, maybe the first three, maybe five is generous. But, like, he was the thing. And now it's, like, I haven't seen him in anything. Yeah, maybe he took a bit of a... Maybe he took a bit of a break. Maybe he's trying to do more filmmaking. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I just also appreciated with this movie, um, obviously his performance, but also this is one of the few movies, like compared to the rest of the list, that the trailer did not give away the whole movie. The trailer actually didn't show a very crucial section that's most of the second, the middle through second half of the movie a major plot point and I think that's so cool because it it made me feel like I had been only shown the first 20 minutes of the movie first half hour and then so then the other hour and a half was totally different like yeah it was a lot of fun and uh yeah I mean Joseph Gordon-Levitt may or may not make another appearance on my list but uh, it's interesting point to think about what happened to him yeah, where'd he go? Where's he been? <laughs> where'd he go? Where you been? Uh, where'd he go? It's not a value <laughs> judgment. I'm just saying, like, he was huge. And, like, where'd he go? Where is he? Is he okay? Is he okay? <laughs> How's he doing? Someone go check on him, please. Because we all still like him. I just want to make sure he's, like, good. <laughs> all right, Jess, what is your number eight? My number eight is the movie Green Room from 2015. This movie is my favorite indie of the whole decade and one of my favorite horror movies, too. Um, I think indie horror can be, like, really tricky because it can either be really amazing or really cheesy, and this one is super amazing. Um, So it's not... Like, I feel like it's become kind of a cult classic within the last, like, four to five years, Um, and when it first came out, it made, like, a little bit of a splash... Um, But for those of you who don't know what it's about, um, this indie punk band is booked to play a neo-Nazi bar. And as you can imagine, the gig goes horribly because they hate neo-Nazis and they don't like where they're at. 
Um, so they have a terrible time there. They didn't know it was a neo-Nazi bird, so they walked in. Um, they do their gig. It's terrible. They get off stage. And while they're getting off stage, they actually witness a murder at the bar. And so they book it into the green room. And all the skinheads that are there, without giving too much away, basically keep them hostage in their green room. And they have to figure out how they could possibly survive and get out. And like you were saying about prisoners, it's very like real to life horror where it's not just jump scares. There's no jump scares in it at all, really. Um, It's a possible scenario, which is scarier than anything because they're in this bar in a place they don't know. They don't know where to get help. They have no money, so they don't have like great phones working. Um, And they're surrounded by a bunch of skinheads with a ton of weapons. And that's terrifying. Um, It's one of Anton Yelchin's best performances. Um, He was someone, too, that, like, really was taken way too soon and had a lot of amazing performances this decade. Um, Last decade, he was in Charlie Bartlett, which is where I fell in love with him. But this movie is, like, what solidified it because he's incredible in it. And in this movie, the performances are, like, very high energy and just, like, takes you in with them right away and sucks you into their journey. Um, Also, Patrick Stewart plays a skinhead, and he's really terrifying as a skinhead, and... (laughs) It's, he's, an, he's very terrifying. Um, so, yeah, if you're into, like, indie horror and, like, more realistic horror than, like, you know, your jump scares and, like, your hauntings, like, Green Room is a fantastic movie. And the performances, like, could be studied. They're just so well done. Yeah. Uh, that's a movie I still need to see. Um, uh, I've heard nothing but good things about it, and it's uh, brought up a lot Um by people who have seen it, and I'm like, ah, I know. Uh, I definitely want to see it. It's not that I think... That sounds like a great idea, and that sounds like a horror movie I really could get behind in the sense that, like you said, it's not necessarily just going for jump scares, but it's like feels like a real situation that could happen. Um, so, yeah, I definitely want to see that. And it's not Green Book. <laughs> it's not Green Book. No, it's actually a good movie, first of all. It's the major difference. Just kidding. I've never seen Green Book, but I've heard it's trash. Um, yeah, no, very different, very different. Instead of, like, being whitewashed, it's like, ooh, white people are the devil sometimes. So it's very scary. And, like, yeah, I think that's, like, the kind of horror that really gets to me is, like, I love my, like, cheesy 80s, like, child's play, like, Friday the 13th, but, like, those don't really stick with me so much as, like, a horror movie where it's, like, not too far away from what actually happens um, or stories that, like, happen in real life but we don't really hear about them because of our news cycle. Like, that's what really gets to me. And this is a movie that, like, the more I think about it, the more I realize it's, like, one of the most horrifying movies I've ever seen because of, like, the environments it's in and what the characters are doing. And (sighs) now I just want to watch it again because it's very, very good and, like, very high stakes in a way that's, like, very real. Yes. Man, uh, I'm jealous because there are already a few movies on your list I haven't seen. Um, whereas, like, you've seen most of mine, so I really yeah. need to get on some of these. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Jess, my number eight, uh, yeah, stars Joseph Gordon Levitt. <laughs> look who's um, back! <laughs> look who's back. This is from 2011. This is my favorite movie that year. Uh, 50-50. This is a really good movie. It's very full of heart and, and life and soul, and I did really like it when I first saw it. I haven't seen it in a while, though. Yeah, this is a movie I haven't seen in a while either, but it's one that I've always thought about when I was looking at movies over the decade. Uh, favorite movie of every year. This still stands as my favorite movie that came out in 2011. Um, I think this was... Just a simple movie, just handled so well. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is randomly diagnosed with cancer, um, and Seth Rogen um, plays the best friend and tries to help him through it. It's uh, it's dramatic, but it also has some comedy. Uh, I think it just has a feel to it that... Um, 
could be relatable to people who go through this. Uh, not I've been very fortunate that I've not had to go through it myself or have someone super close to me go through um, things that he goes through in this movie, but, like, it feels... It shows different aspects of it. Like, it shows how like, Seth Rogen's character is kind of reacting to it and shows uh, his mom character, uh, things that happen with his girlfriend, um, while also showing his side of things through all of it. And, yeah, it's it's a movie that made me laugh. It's a movie that made me cry. And I'm not just saying it for that phrase. Like, it legitimately made me cry. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just so well done. Um... I actually got to meet the director, Jonathan Levine, and, uh, not long after this came out and got to be in a Q&A with him. And yeah, it was just... He's... It made me want to see what this director would do with the rest of his career. He's definitely taken some odd turns, but I think this movie is a movie that it's it's just... It was handled and written really well. So, um, so I just pulled up Joseph Gordon-Levitt's... So I just pulled up JGL's IMDb. (laughs) And apparently... Here we go. He was in Knives Out, but I do not remember him at all. He played Detective. But I don't think he did. Maybe, but I don't remember it. So maybe it got cut because I don't remember it at all. And then he was... In Star Wars The Last Jedi as a voice, and then he was in Endgame, which is a short film that unfortunately came out around the same time as Marvel's Endgame, so the name is confusing. And here we go, his upcoming, one of his upcoming movies, this is where I'm very confused, is a musical comedy called Wingman. Here's what it says on IMDb. Plot kept under wraps, described as an R-rated musical comedy about the misadventures of two pilots. And it stars JGL and Channing Tatum. Apparently, it's going to be a musical comedy about two airplane pilots. So we will see if that makes our top ten next decade. he's supposed to be in the next Sorkin movie. Oh, yeah, Aaron Good Sorkin for him. is That might be better than Wingman. <laughs> He's writing and directing another movie um, <laughs> that has, uh, from what I hear, a pretty all-star cast, and JGL is uh, one of the people in it. So uh, I think it's called like The Trial of the Seven or Trial of Chicago Seven, something like that. Something based on a true story. Um, but yeah, uh, Aaron Sorkin movie. So I'm sure that'll be really good. But Jess, moving on over, what is your number seven? My number seven is Ex Machina from 2014. Um, This movie is... Have you seen Ex Machina? This one I have seen, yes. Okay, cool. Um, It's like I was saying when I came up with this list, it was like movies I've seen a lot and movies that, you know, really stuck with me. I haven't seen this movie too, too many times. I think I've rewatched it, like, twice since I first saw it. Um, But it's one that, like, really sticks with me because it's very haunting. Um, It's basically, like, without without giving too much away, I think everyone should go see this movie, but it's basically a horror movie about where our current technology could go. Think, like, Twilight Zone, Black Mirror, but, like, on crack. It's very intense. Um, (laughs) And basically, Oscar Isaac uh, plays a kind of like a Mark Zuckerberg-y, like, Google head, kind of, like, tech guy who has built a human android. And Downhall Gleason's character is the human component used to, like, test run her. And she's played by Alicia Vikander. And besides the three of them, there's just one other actress that's, like, really in the movie. So pretty much the entire movie is in one location and four actors. And the location itself is also pretty bare because it's supposed to be, like, a home-slash-research lab. So that's what's, like, endlessly fascinating about this movie to me is that, like, it hooked me in and I was so, like, engrossed by it. But when you really strip it down, it's kind of simple because, again, there's only four actors in one location and the one location is a very sterile environment. Um, So to me, that's why it's just so interesting. And I don't really think there's been another movie quite like it this decade. Um, I don't know. There's just like, 
so many different like twists and turns and you it starts off as one thing and then it turns into kind of something else and then it really just like makes you think about what you watched and like what does it mean for our future and all those like big concept questions that were kind of boiled down into this kind of small film um so yeah ex machina it's mind-bending and mind-blowing and really will just make you think about using your phone and using google and like what are you doing on your computer like it's just i don't know it takes <laughs> technology there to like our worst nightmare yeah uh that's another movie that haunted me um much like you said a good way to describe it would be something like a black mirror where it wasn't necessarily like oh just because it was a big twist but uh because it uh, raised so many questions because it handled so many things. It was like a play where, because there was only a few actors in minimal locations, you really got to focus on the characters and the the moments between them. So, yeah, I could have... I, I need to see the movie again. I've only seen it once. But, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree with you. It does feel like a play, like a play about technology. And another thing that like this movie and Green Room have in common is that they're in one location that is very isolated from the rest of the world, which I think is even more horrifying because when you're watching horror movies, you know, a lot of times it's just like get out, get out of there, and like go. And but like when you don't have that option, like and you're stuck, like that's the most horrifying case, I think. So. That's when another, like, level of ex machina that makes it scary is they're out there. There's nowhere to go. They have to deal with this, like, how it is right there. Um, so, yeah, it's great. I think it still holds up. Um, so, yeah, ex machina. All right. Well, my number seven, completely different movie. Um, it is my only film on this list from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that is my favorite movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which obviously I feel like at least one film had to make it in here because this is a franchise that uh, started in 2008 and still goes today. And they had, what, 20 movies in the 2010s? Like, they had a lot, uh, usually anywhere from one to three a year come out. Um, but this movie was my favorite of that entire franchise still is hopefully will be suppressed someday just because i hope they keep improving but this movie um and that is captain america the winter soldier um yes this movie yes <laughs> yes great choice yes, yes. <laughs> this movie i was never a huge fan of the captain america character um I was fine with the first Avenger uh, back in 20, uh, 2011. I thought it was fun for what it could be because, like, Captain America is kind of a simple character that, like, oh, he's got super strength and, like, some, some speed and, like, he's a good leader and, like, he's just a goody two-shoes. And I was like, how how is he going to lead a movie? Like, he works in an ensemble, but I was worried he wouldn't work in his own movie. Um, so first Avenger, I was like, oh, it was an origin story, whatever. Um, but then Winter Soldier blew me away because the the route that the Russo brothers went with, you could totally see why they were kind of given the reins to not only do uh, Captain America Civil War, but then do Captain uh, do Avengers Infinity War and Endgame because the Russo brothers handled it so well. They took the Captain America character and kind of turned it into like a 70s espionage type thriller. Um, the action, some of my favorite action scenes, most of my favorite action scenes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or just in general, um, it has the classic elevator scene where Captain America realizes he's surrounded and simply looks around and is like, before we get started... Does anyone want to get out? <laughs> Just like, like a, a line like that. I'm like, ooh, you took him from being a goody two shoes to like an absolute badass. <laughs> and yes, that elevator scene is probably one of the best fight scenes of the decade. Like, it's incredible. 
Yeah. Um, one scene that I think is very underrated was when the Winter Soldier comes after uh, them on a highway. And there's, like, parts where him and Bucky have, like, a pretty much, like, a knife fight. And it, it just... The score, I think, is very underrated. There's a lot of scores in this film that I think are really good and kind of different from other films. Uh, it has Robert Redford, obviously Scarlett Johansson for Black Widow, has Samuel L. Jackson. Um, it, it has... We've talked about the action. Uh, Chris Evans is incredible. But the thing to me, and like it's not really spoilers because it's, it's been almost like six years since it came out, guys... But the thing that I loved about it was they took a staple of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and completely flipped it on its head, um, which was the twist that HYDRA, uh, the organization run by the Red Skull back in the first movie, has infiltrated the sh- uh, infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. over the years to where Captain America literally said, like, we have to take S.H.I.E.L.D. down. And I'm like... Wait, what? But that's the thing that's like a a through line in the Marvel comics is Shield. They're like instead of having like the FBI or the CIA, they have Shield because like they're a special division involved with superheroes. And the fact that they found a way to pull that off, on top of all the other things I've been listing, uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. Uh, still my favorite MCU movie. Uh, I think this is what more MCU and more action and more superhero movies should look after because it's a movie that was handled so well and uh, it has stuck with me (laughs) and I'd still love every now and then popping it in to watch it again. Yeah, it's fantastic. It was on my list for a second, too, and then it got knifed out. But it's it's great. It's honestly probably, <laughs> like, the best superhero movie of the decade, in my opinion. And it, I agree. Like, I feel like I can just throw that movie on anytime if I, like, want to zone in on it or put work on and, like, do that in the background. Like, it's great. It's It holds up. It's such a great movie. Yes. But just we're getting down to around the middle... Uh, what is your number six? My number six is the first one on this list to come from this year, and that is Parasite. Um, it's interesting because Parasite is actually not my favorite movie of this year, but my favorite movie of this year, Us, did not make my top ten of the decade, which is really weird, Ooh. and I can't really explain that. Yeah, it's super interesting. I think why, because I was very, like, objective. And as much as I loved Us, I feel like Parasite, like, is something that will stick with me for years to come. And I will look back and think about it. I will for Us, too. But, like, just in a very different way where Us was incredible, but Parasite really made me think about big concepts of the world. um, Because it deals with very heavy concepts, such as classism and economic opportunity, but in a way that's, like very easily digestible. Um, I don't really want to get into the plot because it's still a relatively new movie. It still has a lot of buzz around it. People are still going to see it. So I really like won't get into that. I don't want to spoil anything. And it is one of those movies where you don't know what you can say without spoiling something. And it, you don't want to spoil this movie for anyone because it's incredible. Um, but yeah, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Like after I watched it, just like I was dissecting scenes and like little meetings and I was listening to interviews with the director who's Bong Joon-ho, who's also directed Okja and Snowpiercer. Um, and I liked mm. Snowpiercer. O- Okja was like, okay. Um, but his movies are always really unique and have these like major, major themes like about poverty or like capitalism and um This was very much that, but in a way that felt a little more grounded in reality. Um, I just, I was fascinated by it, and I still am. I feel like, for me, when I'm watching movies, I try to kind of, like, guess where it's going to go. And because I've watched so many movies, I'm, like, 60-40 usually right. 
this is one where I just kind of kept trying to guess like, okay, but where is this going? Like, what is happening? But it goes somewhere like I could never have predicted. And there's so many just like different turns it takes you down until the ending and you're kind of left processing it. Like, what? Um, so, yeah, I, I'll kind of stop talking about it because I don't want to like give too much away for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. Um, but it is a really incredible movie. And I'm like very surprised it jumped so high on my list. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, this is probably going to stick with me for years to come. Yes. Cat, another movie on your list I need to see. <laughs> I know. Uh, I've like seen almost every seen movie on your list. You've seen Popstar just... Never Stop Never Stopping, so you're good. Okay. That's all that really yeah. matters. <laughs> I saw that in Ex Machina, but for the most part, I have not seen <laughs> most of yours. Um, yeah. Uh, you've obviously said great things about it. I've heard great things about it. And like I've said before... <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> you should see it. It's wild. It's a really wild ride, and I will say nothing more on it. I'm done. I'm done talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Jess, my number six is definitely not like that movie. Mine is John Wick Chapter 3. See, um, here's a movie of yours I haven't seen, so we're good. Hey! <laughs> um, <laughs> technically, the, the name is John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum, but I prefer to just call it Chapter 3 because I like how the second one, they just kept it simple. Chapter 2. Um, we don't need to get into all the movies with the different colons. Um, yes. Um, I wanted, if it was allowed, to just put the John Wick trilogy... <laughs> Because they all came out in this time period. I wish it was just considered one movie. Uh, I absolutely love the entire franchise. But like I've said before, this was just my favorite movie of the summer um, for 2019. Uh, So I've only seen this movie once and half. Uh, The other day, my roommate and I started watching it again. I finally got it on DVD for Black Friday. And... It's not that we didn't want to continue, but, like, there's so much incredible action and just insane fight choreography, insane stunt work uh, with Keanu and the other actors that even just saying it one and a half times, um, it is one of the best action movies I've ever seen. Um, this is one of the only franchises that every film has gotten better. I think a lot of people put the first one as their favorite just because it's the original, but the second one builds on the first one, both with the backstory, the world of these assassins that they've established. There's a lot of, uh, like I said, world building that they do in this world. Um, a lot of world building in this world. Uh, <laughs> But yes, <laughs> it, it makes it feel like a uh, just a fun subgenre of like assassin action. It just is so simple. It is so well done. Um, these are how action movies should be, where you see everything. It's not all CGI, where you have stunt people doing incredibly athletic, phenomenal things, uh, where it is filmed in a way where you see it all. Um, I'm going to credit the guy who directed all of them, uh, Chad, I believe we call it Stileski. Um, he has directed them all, and uh, it, I'm pretty sure they've had the same writers for all the movies. But the reason I'm putting the third one there is because right after the first and the second one, it is built. It is built on the series, um, and just the action sequence alone for half because, like, I, I've watched it now, like I said, I watched the first half a second time. I was like, the first half of these action sequences are better than some entire movies. <laughs> Just that hour chunk. Um, uh, action sequences with Halle Berry. Uh, ac- action sequences with um, knife fights. Uh, him riding a horse going up against people on motorcycles. Him finding a giant. Like, it is just... <laughs> 
bananas. And one of my favorite movie-going experiences is still something I recently told when we went to see the movie in theaters and when he does the first kill in a library with a book for someone who's trying to kill him. Like, my roommate started a round of applause and a bunch of people joined in at the movie because <laughs> we're just like, this is what we came to see. <laughs> I can't wait to watch the rest of the half. I can't wait to watch the whole series again. Like... I'm usually someone that just loves regular movies as far as it doesn't have to be action, doesn't have to be full-on comedy, whatever it is. Sure, you've seen some superhero movies on my list, but like this is the most insane and incredibly well-done action I've ever seen. Um, and this movie may be one of the best action movies I've ever seen, ever. Okay, well, I need to get on watching it. I've seen the first one, and I like the first one a lot, and I need to rewatch it and then continue on with the next two. Well, guys, that was our 10 through 6, our first five of our top 10 movies of the 10s. Uh, we're going to break this up into two different episodes uh, because we've been talking about movies we love over the last decade. And, uh, yeah, uh, so we're going to be back with our number five through number one. Um, they'll be dropping soon after this episode, so please check out 71 soon. Thank you guys for listening.